think Joni should start. There, there, was, there, there was discussion. Joni's not. The, the pre-discussion was since our role, our topic Stuff today. I wished I had recorded. Gender roles. <laughs> that the women should begin. Uh, and uh, we started with just the dead air you heard was them starting. Uh, <laughs> you just called them dead air. I, I did not. I said that, well, maybe I did. Kind of. Of course, the the whole issue is when you talk about gender roles, are you for or against gender? You know, um, I'm for it. Uh, God seems for it. Uh, I had. My, my I didn't know that was the question. Are you for it against gender? <laughs> well, like I, did, I didn't get that. <laughs> we it's just, not on, it's the not list on the of list. Questions. Yeah. When we finished up a couple of weeks ago, we just decided willy nilly we'll do gender next time. And mm-hmm. I did. I, my first question I had was. Well, what are we doing? Because there's, there's a lot you can do. Are we going to talk about... Well, we've got Joni's talk sheet here with the I whole... I didn't get Joni's talk sheet. Well, she sent those like, what, all two together. months, three months ago yeah. when she sent all of her suggestions. All with the rest of them. Oh, I thought it was a fresh one. No. Okay. Well, the old one's old. Uh, we've <laughs> deviated from that completely already. <laughs> but, but the big part of my question was, are we talking about like gender roles in church and in life? Yes. Uh, and and, and w- more traditional women's issues sort of conversation. Sure. Or are we talking about how gender has changed in our understanding of sure. gender fluid, transgender, all those sort? Are we talking about Margaret Atwood on Twitter getting added all day yesterday? What are we talking about? All the I feel like this originated with um, the thought of, I turned the wrong volume up here. Um, especially a woman, a how woman, a woman would have done that better, by the way, how, because I know. In fact, the best sound tech is like a seventeen-year-old girl woman. Except for they're usually late stereotypes. Well, I, if you've ears, if you've been listening hear. to the podcast from the beginning, we started out. First season was just experimental, horrible sound. Second season, we had intros and 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 um, a great talk in and finale and now you pick us up mid laughter i think it's just turned talk. into just chaos so if Chewing you're still with us good for you yeah. well as i heard on a really popular podcast just embrace the mess it's very yes. messy but embrace the mess my point was i think we were tying it into gender roles in the church um, we've been listening to different podcasts that this topic has come up and how how misogyny and um um I can't think of the word now. Um, power. That was his coffee cup banging was, on the table. I, oh, no, I, I heard I was banging. <laughs> I looked up at the heavens. I thought, oh, hey, trying to get my brain to the work. The sky is not falling. <laughs> Joni, this is really your uh, your topic. So, what were you thinking? That's kind of where I was. Just it it seems to continue to be a hot topic in podcasts or just in, um, just in the Christian circle and uh, trying to figure things out. Like, is it is it biblical? where our roles come from or are they is it culture um based and you know how is culture changing those those roles mm. so big question so do you think that it, you say it's a hot topic is it is it, is it a really a hot topic or is it a topic that we just won't stop playing with it's like a scale we keep picking i think it's becoming more of a hot topic because of a certain magazine uh in the christian world today um <laughs> Has, nice. has a very hot <laughs> podcast out that's been uh, top of the list for a while about a particular church in Seattle and their leadership and the, the things that went on there. And one of the subtopics that has come up is has to do with a lot mm-hmm. of the, the... So I'm not listening to the podcast. Gender roles are, are biblically preached and taught. 
And for me, it started when the um, the big mega church ordained uh, babd- or ordained the female pastors. That was a that was a big thing. I don't remember which. I think you're talking about Saddleback. That's the one I'm talking about. But I think Saddleback's been in that for a while. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. It was like four, I'm not surprised, but four I women at the same time. I think they've had women in the roles of pastors, but I don't know that they had ordained pastors. Mm, I, I, I'm not I'll do a little Google search as we're sitting here because, you know. Okay. <laughs> I, I believe that they've been doing that for a while. But the... Uh, um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's an issue in in Baptist life, especially like what you call Southern Baptist life. I've got a evangelical life. Too. I've got a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. With that. I got a friend of mine who's in a different state, um, and their state convention had huge resolutions that you know affirmed only a man can be a pastor, and mm. we love women, but uh, but but you know, and I think uh, that's. The driving force behind the idea of this podcast was why is there a but, and not B-U-T-T, but why is there <laughs> a but in that we love women, but here's their place. Mm, so that's what we're talking about. That's so that's where my brain went. So, mm, so the two terms um, that come up with this, and I've been hearing them for a long time, um, uh, complementarianism. Mm-hmm. And egalitarian. Mm-hmm. Could you so, define those for us, please? Well, it just so happens I spent some time <laughs> on that. Um, complementarianism, as I understand it, um, and there's like huge books written on this, and uh, I believe, um, oh, what's the group of people? The Gospel Project. I think they have spent a lot of time on this. Um, complementarianism is the idea that women were made to complement men. And they don't mean that like women walk up and go, you're so <laughs> handsome. You're so strong. You smell nice. Uh, that's not what that means. It means that um, God. the idea is that God made man, and that's actually the whole point of creation is man, and that man was lonely. And so women were created as a complement to men and that they in that role they have a defined specific uh limited role to play and that precludes them from positions of leadership mm-hmm. or instruction over men and so they they rooted in that theological idea that god really only cared about making men and he made women as a concession to uh mankind's need for me you think about from the very beginning um, in the garden, whenever you know the serpent came, who did he come to tempt? Eve, well, because well, she's, you know, to him she was the weakest link, and oh, so I don't think that's it at all. See, see, you're you're a complementarian then. Uh, I I view it as uh, if you look at those Genesis conversations, Adam's dumb. Uh, he doesn't say anything. He right. he just sits there. But he's there. He's, he's there. completely passive. Uh, both the the serpent and the Lord, when he the conversations are all focused at Eve. I think she's the mover and shaker. She's right. the one who's smarter, brighter, more well put together. And Adam is completely passive. And it's not until after that moment that things kind of shift and change. See, I don't see it like that. I well, see he went after her because he knew that he, she would be able to get to Adam. Which doesn't that imply though, that she's got a little bit more power over Adam? Possibly, but. And she's smarter than Adam. It just feels like from the very beginning, women 
were well, and deemed to be to, less to, than. To run with your kind of the women are weak or whatever, I think another hot button that's come up in a lot of the podcasts that have been spinoffs and spillovers from this certain other major podcast has been the bringing to light of certain major evangelical um, people, speakers, preachers, evangelists, who some af- post- posthumously, how do you say that? After they did, uh, stuff has come out. Posthumous. About, yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> has come out about a lot of their secrets. And so a lot of these men who are preaching this, women are weaker, women should submit, stay in their place, are also taking advantage of a lot of mm-hmm. women. And I think that's come to light, and that's raising a lot of questions. Right. So so complementarianism is that idea that's been preached in the evangelical world by the the, the, the more power hungry you are, I would say it the more likely a, you are. A, uh, now, I want to be careful. Not power. all complementarians are that way. Uh, I know lots of wonderful, good Christian people who believe that... Um, a man is a unique, uh, God-ordained um, leader de facto, and that a woman's primary function is to support in that role as mother and wife, nurturer and caregiver. And they're good, wonderful Christian people. They love the Lord. They're great servants. Um, but the complementarian idea has been used by people with nefarious uh, actions to justify the opposite of that is is the egalitarian approach so those two terms complementarian egalitarian the egalitarian is, is that idea that men and women are equal partners in both life and leadership and in the church that means that both men and women are qualified for offices um, pastor deacon uh, prophet whatever bishop whatever priest whatever office you have there and those are the two things that have been bantered about. I think it's evolved into that. But initially, it's, you know, it hasn't always been that way. In the Define church your terms. or in <laughs> what has it been that way? People looking at husband and wife as equals, man and women as equals. It hasn't always been Cult- that way. You're saying culturally. Cultural wise, right. Like, no, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's we've we've defined things differently. Culture, right. the culture then, the culture now, and it changes daily. Mm-hmm. I mean, See, every I, single day, it's it's something different. I know these two terms have a specific definition, but when I hear the word complementary, I think of two. I almost think of egalitarian because I'm thinking of two things that complement each other, mm-hmm. not one that just supports the right. other. That they both depend on it, kind of yin and yang, so to speak, to go all new agey and weird there for a minute but something that they both need each other so to speak mm-hmm. mm. so i think that you're right that's what i want to hear but that's actually not what is meant um, is it a continuum or are you one or the other is it a continuum like ooh, you lean a little more this way do you know what i mean do you want my real answer yes okay <laughs> I, I am egalitarian that's where I stand mm-hmm. on these issues, and I've not really ever hidden that at all. Um, when I was uh, before I came here, we ordained women to be deacons, and I had women on staff. Probably the f- one of the first churches in our area mm-hmm. to do that because I really and they weren't weren't called. Um, we called them pastors, right? Um, Minister of the children, but I do <laughs> the director, A the complimentary title. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, I think most people are egalitarian when they want to get stuff done, mm-hmm. but they're complementarian 
when they want to hold on to their power. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- this is the hypocrisy that I saw as a, a longtime uh, Baptist. So in local churches here, women were not allowed to be deacons or pastors, and which meant they were prohibited from like doing leading in communion or baptizing. But when we sent women to the mission field as missionaries, they did all those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was okay for them to do them in other places, but just not here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got in a crunch. We started having women doing stuff around church, but we didn't call them pastors We call or deacons. We called them directors mm-hmm. or uh, leaders or facilitators, anything but the office that, <laughs> that, that they were holding and doing. And so I think that there's a, there's a mild bit of hypocrisy there. You look at any church, and I mean any church. I don't care if it's super fundamentalist, a complementarian, uh, whatever, or it's ultra liberal, um, egalitarian, mainline, whatever. Uh, all of them will have significant women, excuse not significant, significant numbers of women doing major leadership things inside that congregation. It's just what do you call, call them, them? What are their titles? And yeah. how do you uh, elevate them? And, I, I, and isn't that silly in and of itself? Is that we're giving them the power so to speak, to do the task, but we won't give them the title that supposedly gives them the power. Mm-hmm. You know, all, you know, the mm-hmm. name. It's uh, just yeah, ironic. It's ridiculous. Silly. Uh, are are you are you somehow suggesting that churches never do things that are silly <laughs> and never engage in um, contradictory I'm just, behavior? I'm just calling out one of the the many silly things that we do. Oh, absolutely silly. I, completely agree but one of the issues is for me as an egalitarian if you're going to ask a, a woman to do the work and give her the responsibility that goes with her then she should likewise get the the privileges and the honorifics that go with that I agree. Um, that's one of the issues um, that I struggle with because it's one of those um, justice things. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, but I'm also an egalitarian because of my hermeneutics. Uh, you mentioned culture, and culture is big in this. But culture actually is not why I think most egalitarians are there. It's more from Scripture. I think culture historically has been where women have been subjugated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's the, it's the pagan world that did this because it's based mm-hmm. upon power. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man has physical power over his wife oftentimes, and men as institutions exert power over women uh, in, in, in the marketplace. But I just came from, from Greece, and there was no more um, oppressive hu- human beings toward women than Greeks. Mm-hmm. And that this was the seedbed for the church in so many ways kind of shows you where this was baked mm-hmm. in culturally early on. Mm-hmm. I think the gospel is counterculture. And the scriptures are actually telling a different story than what most people understand is telling regarding uh, gender roles. And we can talk about those. I just happen to have a list, but let's let's keep going for a while well, on the to, issue. Just to there. spin off on that, I think again, the hypocrisy, the irony of it is that so many pastors, um, theologians, air quotes, use pick and choose Bible verses to proof test proof text things that are more cultural and then wrap it up and and call it holy and sacred as opposed to like you're saying 
the gospel is really counterculture in its truest forms. And so many times it's just you, the Bible is used as a weapon to support bad behavior, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. I will say, like, my view on this has changed through the years. Um, like, when Robert and I got married, I did the whole will love and obey him um, thing. And I, I don't think I would, I think looking back, like, I wouldn't be in that same that same boat now. Mm. Yeah, obey's so. not in my wedding ceremony. No. <laughs> well, and that was a choice. Like, it was my choice. It was not his. He's like, whatever you think. Um, <laughs> That's so wrong. Well, and because Rob's like, can we get barbecue? That's really all I care we, about. We well, because you're like me in a lot of regards as we grew up in that church culture, and you were indoctrinated with it from right. childhood. Therefore, you're just trying to, to, to do a good job of fitting into the system. This is what's right, so I'm trying to be a good and right person, follow mm-hmm. the rules that were told to me. So many rules. So many rules. The the rules. I'm thinking about the. I will not name the name, but he he's not as big as he was because he's no longer active in ministry. But and he has no secrets. He's a stand up guy. I mean, in other words, he's not one of those evil guys who used it for nefarious things. He's a good man, uh, loves the Lord, but he's a complete complementarian. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that, um, in his church. Women were not allowed on the platform, period. They just were not allowed mm-hmm. to be there. But if a woman's ministry thing had to make, you know, an announcement, they had built a little, a little uh, sidebar. Sidebar, <laughs> exactly. A little wow. a microphone, a little elevated. It's not, it's not the pulpit. Don't get confused. We don't want you to be wow. confused that a woman's mm-hmm. in the pulpit. But she's over here, and she can make her little announcement or say whatever it is that she wants to make over here in his church. So they wouldn't, you know. Um, sully the pulpit with a woman mm. being. I'm just thinking that is the most preposterous thing in the whole it's world. Terrible. Um, I think it all got muddled in my brain. Um, I, I muddled. <laughs> I love that word. Muddled or addled. Well, <laughs> you know, um, when like it was okay to go for women to go to the mission field. It's okay for women to teach children, unbelievers, someone that is young in their faith but then it's not okay for women to teach someone who's um advanced in their faith and i just um i don't know yeah i have a hard time believing that god jesus died for us all we're all one in him and he would call women out to proclaim his word and the good news but only to a certain extent you know i don't i don't buy that Mm -hmm. i don't believe that so so you so you're so you're an egalitarian. We're, we're moving yes. we're moving the dial here. I, I can't find where <laughs> you're yes, at. I Misty. know where she is. Misty, I can't find where you're at. Well, and I'm a lot like Joni. You know, early on, you know, I, I do uh, resonate more with the complementarian, however you say that. But the older I get, and the more that the Lord has um, grown me spiritually, and I can see now that. You know, it's men and women. It's not just men doing the great things, um, and not just in church, but just in in other things as well. Well, and there's such a double standard in culture in general because, to reference the Enneagram, 20 minutes in, 20 minutes in, Enneagram. um, (laughs) Type 8s are very just the most obvious, out there, in-your-face, obnoxious. Not obnoxious. They can be, but they're they're the fighters. They Mm -hmm. had to fight to survive. This is a, a male or female thing, but if you're a guy and you have that just in your face, you're you're tough. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman, you get called 
Right. A, a leader. A word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, a leader? No, you get called <laughs> a bad word. And, and <laughs> it's the same yeah. situation, right. but the it's like, mm-hmm. no, you can't do that because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. You, you need to be mm-hmm. dainty and yeah. sweet and all that. And it's a double standard. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. I grew up fighting, you know, at a young age, I was having to take care of my mom. My dad, you know, was gone. And so I was the person, the grown up at, you know, 12 years old. And so... It took me a long time after Greg and I got married um, to, he had a job, of course I had a job, and then I something happened at my job and I ended up quitting for just a little bit until I could find something else, but um, I was scared because I didn't want him to have all the control, I felt like it was giving him all the control, so. Obey was not in your ceremony, no, was it? No, <laughs> So that, that was tough for me because I've always been just a fighter, you know, and I have a hard time just standing back. So and, you didn't see it as, happen. oh, I'm burdening him. You you saw it as, oh, he's getting too much turf. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but, you know, God's good and he made me made me a little nicer after a while. But <laughs> well, they say getting married is one of the quickest way to find out how selfish you really are. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> the Lord is good all the time. Yes. So I'm fascinated by where you're at and Joni as well in this regard. So y- you, when you and Greg got married, mm-hmm. you're, you're working, he's working. Mm-hmm. So the, the issue is you're competent to do a job in the, in the world. I'm sure you were really awesome at it, but there are church structures that would say you can do that same job there, but you can't, you're not qualified in the church to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've often thought that's really strange uh, approach to it, you know. Um, so there are women who are Fortune 500 CEOs, executives, generals, um, uh, captains in the Navy, and uh, super high-ranking politicians who are competent, who do um, an astronauts. You can you can fly a spaceship, but we don't know if you're qualified to stand to, up uh, on the yeah. To, 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 to read the Word, Word of God, God, maybe, and tell us unless, a thing or two about it. Yeah. Unless you're doing it only in front of other women. Exactly. That's, what, we'll I was, let and you do that's what I was fixing to say. <laughs> you can't be a woman and lead other men. <laughs> that, that's a great point. That's always been that, that um, uh, it's almost hypocrisy, but it's, it's just logically disconnected from mm-hmm. think these things through. If, uh, there are people who would say, I would never be able to have a, a female pastor but they vote for a woman for president or vice president. Right. right? That, really? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys want to talk Bible for a while? Yeah, let's sure. do it. Sure. You got? Do you have any Bible verses? I missed these. Bibles. I brought my Bible in here today because I usually use my phone and the peer pressure of I was the only <laughs> one without an actual tangible <laughs> we physical <were> paper <laughs> Bible. So I have my Bible with me today. You don't know this, but Dear the three Lord. of us have been meeting after each podcast, believe it, praying for you well, to come to Christ obviously because work. clearly <laughs> you didn't have a Bible. Convicted by Roman the competitive road. side of it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a track so, for you later. So the, the question is, what translation of Scripture do you have? It's an ESV. Uh, which which has problems, by the way. On this issue, the ESV has problems. Yeah. Uh, well, I do have a verse. You, let's hear your verse first. Well, to tell my verse, there's context because um, context I've, is the most important part of hermeneutics. I've wrestled with a lot of um, of the marriage. Oh, this is your context. My context, okay. not Bible context. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. Uh, I thought you meant biblical is, context. Context is Ephesians, but my context is some of the... Um, uh, oh, we're going to go there. <laughs> some of the marital Shot um, conferences and teachings and books that are out there, um, 
because I was a part of one years ago and it was just really stressing roles like this is your role as a male and this is your role as a female this is your role as a husband this is your role as, as, as a spouse and it left little room for it was cookie cuttering that everyone's Christian marriage should look exactly like this and this is what you do and it left no room for uniqueness or personhood it, it was like trying to if if everyone just followed these rules then their marriage will be great and then the, the the caveat was and if your marriage is falling apart obviously you're not following the rules um and so i came across another um book that i just absolutely fell in love with it was built around this ba- uh ephesians. i was not aware that um harry potter and the sorcerer's stone was about ephesians 5 well if you give me a second i will show you how it relates no just <laughs> But it was built around Ephesians 5.33, which reads, get my spectacles on. It's the last verse in chapter 5. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so it focused on husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands. And it was the first time that love wasn't used interchangeably. And the, the language he used, the way he talked about the man's needs as a husband's I was like it just was resonating so much with me like finally someone's articulated some things that why I've struggled and he showed how it creates this cycle of healing if you're both giving what the other one needs um, as opposed to giving them what you think they need anyway I don't want to dive into the whole theology of it but I was just tracking with this whole thing thinking this is going to revolutionize marriages this is wonderful until one little part that just killed the whole thing for me. And it was where he was talking about in ultimately making decisions. If you get to an impasse and you just absolutely can't come to a unanimous agreement, the man has 51% of the voting rights and the woman has 49%. Mm. And it was, he tried to paint it in such a way of saying, it's just a little bit to break the tie, but it basically goes back to that complementarianism yeah. attitude is Control. that even when it comes down to it, the man is still a bit more. Well, and, and that the and that if I may push a little bit, I don't know the book you're talking about. Don't tell me that the title. Um, the person is pushing an agenda in which the, the women, the woman, the wife in this situation only has 49 because the man allows it mm-hmm. yeah right yes yeah. it's rooted in what the man allows and i would argue that egalitarianism is rooted in the work of the holy spirit mm-hmm. not in the work of what men allows as a well we're going to give you a concession right yeah. um that that's horrible marriage yeah it, it was advice, the first time i felt way. seen and heard and validated with things that i couldn't articulate as far as how to uh, connect in a relationship but then when you step back and you hear that it was like oh, it's just the same stuff it's mm-hmm. just the same stuff it's mm-hmm. a different topic to hear but i i would want to put in everyone's ear if you're married and there's a decision that needs to be made and you're not in agreement don't decide exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> i mean i mean sometimes yeah. sometimes decisions happen to you against your will but if you can put it off until you're, this is true for church life too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if a church votes on something and the votes like 55% to 45%, you would do really well to not do whatever exactly. it is. Don't Even do though legally you may have approved it, 
you would do well to not move forward because that's divisive and painful because mm-hmm. the relationship matters more than whatever the decision is. Right. Um, Absolutely. The, the, you jived on my juke. Uh, I thought you were going to go to verse 22 in Ephesians mm. 5, which is where everybody goes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's where I flipped I bet, I bet this is the one that Rob reads to Joni every night. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Not what is to the be smart. Submit. Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord. Yeah, that, that one I hear all the time. But the problem is no one moves up one more verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 21 is actually the key verb here submit to one another out of reverence for mm-hmm. Christ. And this is in all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. The um, idea of a wife submitting to her husband 2,000 years ago was not revolutionary. That was cultural. That was the cultural norm. Mm-hmm. And Paul is saying uh, to women, you need to do the things inside your family life that are normal. But then what's countercultural is the way he tells the husband to treat his wife. Yeah. Like she's Jesus. Uh, like, like, like that you, one you doesn't are, get preached you as are, much as the other one. You are Christ to this woman, and you. So, what it means you to treat her the way Jesus treated the church? Well, how did Jesus treat the church? Right? He died for her. Mm-hmm. He loves her unconditionally. He cares for her, and he elevates her. These are all the things that a husband mm-hmm. should do. Um, and and, um, and yeah, anyway, Joni, you probably heard this podcast too because you've been listening to the same ones I have. But there, they played a clip of a pastor, and this went viral a while back of a pastor in like North Carolina or somewhere where he is just going off on wives that they let themselves go, they put on weight, they need to get in shape, they need to wear makeup, they need to be all these things they need to do to keep their man happy. And then the the subtext of that is their man <laughs> exactly. If they don't then of course he's going to stray. And he's justified for straying. And he's justified. And this is a pastor in a church, in a pulpit, preaching, using the Bible to say this, and it's not an uncommon message. It it may not be that hardcore, um, but it's out there, and it's um, people are... When you have someone who's supposedly the pastor, they're saying these things. you got a lot of people who are... Well, gosh, if that's in the Bible, then, and he says it, then I guess I better do it. It's actually, the Bible's actually the opposite of that. Exactly. Um, again, when you when you allow culture to dictate, I mean, um, what you're going to do and what you're going to say, that's where you have the problem. I believe the gospel's countercultural. The gospel's actually opposite. I was going to say, who does the world belong to? I mean, the world is... The devil has control of the world. Satan has control of the world. So I feel like a lot of cultural things that come from worldly issues, you know, um, changing the words in the Bible, twisting the words. I mean, that's exactly what the enemy did. But and how that's do just we, what it screams of. I think it, it brings to how do we read the Bible? Like, how do we read the Bible in light of our culture, knowing their culture then. And I think that's a whole different, context, that's a whole context, different context. podcast, that, but it, it is Well, but that's we hermeneutics. Yeah. That, that, and that's a big fancy word, but that is so much of what I do is, mm-hmm. is not just what does it say, but what does it mean? mean? Mm-hmm. The, the significance Today. and meaning. Application. And one of the problems we have is people read it and they go, well, I know what it says, but because there's 2,000 years removed, there's language, there's culture, there's religious structures removed, we actually sometimes walk away with the exact opposite meaning mm-hmm. or significance than what was actually intended mm-hmm. by the writer. Um, so much of I mean, l- l- let's play with another one. You want another one? Sure. Well, 
Well, and scripture, scripture's of, alive. I mean, it says that the word of God is alive, and it's, you know, that's because it is applicable in today's time, well, and see, just I as just, it was 10 years ago, I 15 years ago. I want to make a side point here. You, you talked about, um, what word did you just use? You just said something about hermeneutics. Um, yeah, but I, anyway, my point being there's a verse that talks about the tickling of the ears is that people want to hear just what they want to hear, and I think church people, and I use that word sarcastically but but can i put an asterisk i love church people we are all church yes 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 yes. and so we're comfortable saying this because this is our tribe i'm not out to end anyone's happiness and joy i just want them to do better i'm more yeah it's more self-criticism of who we are we as as church people sometimes can not this extreme but let's take the extreme i just used about the pastor talking about women losing weight and all that stuff you have a congregation that's applauding that and cheering and laughing it because they're uh, supporting it, and I think we think when 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 it says they want to just hear words that tickle the ears, and they think that that's secular and satanic and rebellious. I think a lot of times it's religious sounding language that is used because it makes us feel superior, and the black becomes white, and the white becomes black, and up is down, is down is up, and I think that happens a lot with a, this topic with a lot of the verses that are used. So sure. All right, where are we going? Uh, you, uh, Job. Jamie was going to say Job. Uh, Joel. Oh, Joel. Joel. Okay. It's one of my favorites I on was, this topic. Okay. So, um, Joel 2. I mean, those were good thoughts, Daryl. I didn't affirm that. I'm sorry. No, no. I just I couldn't bring them in. They were pretty random. <laughs> the, the boys in the room need some affirming thoughts <laughs> from him in the day because we're Would out. you compliment us, Would please? <laughs> You smell good, Daryl. <laughs> um, so uh, Joel two twenty eight, and this is uh, in the context of Joel's prophecy about the return of the Lord, the day of the Lord, all these big issues. And Joel is such a path, just fascinating book all by itself. But here, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then Joel says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I mean, it's, it's there it's in, there. in mm-hmm. the text. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Mm-hmm. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on, the, even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. I mean, it's right there that, mm-hmm. that a time is coming in the future Mm-hmm. When both men and women, sons and daughters, will be mm-hmm. engaged in well, ministry. Well, the Old Testament, you know, you see, you know, even though that you see Esther and Ruth and Miriam, and you see all these women being used in in the in the stories as doing great things, you don't see a lot of that, um, the compassion and the love and the type of thing that that Jesus does after he comes. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that in the New Testament. And I think that that's, you know, that's part of Joel's prophecy there. He, he's that, seeing this, he's exactly. Seeing mm-hmm. This place where in the future it will not be unusual yeah. for both men and women to engage in yes. the acts of prophecy. Now, what's fascinating about this is Peter quotes it in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, right after Pentecost happens. And usually when preachers preach it, uh, in evangelical churches, we talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which it was, mm-hmm. and we connect it to the day of the Lord and the coming day of the Lord, and it is. But almost never do you hear any kind of addressing of who's doing this prophesying. Mm-hmm. See, what, what Peter saw with his eyes is they were in the upper room. If you look at the list of people who were there, it's like 120 of them. It's a mixed group. It's mm-hmm. men and mm-hmm. women are in that mm-hmm. group. 
and the Holy Spirit comes and he descends upon them. And what he sees on the streets there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost are both men and women with tongues of fire on their head preaching and proclaiming the Lord. Mm -hmm. From the very beginning, the mm -hmm. first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's men and women preaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ. If your view of Pentecost and of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is anything other than men and women filled with the Holy Spirit proclaiming Christ, then you're not seeing it correctly. And that's a hermeneutics issue. Mm -hmm. That's we, we, we run through it real fast because we already know what we wanted to say. It's just about us being filled with the Holy Spirit, which it is, but it's also about this equality. The gender line mm -hmm. is moved away mm -hmm. because we're moving that way. We're if um, if men and women were created in the garden perfectly, our discipleship and our fellowship of the Lord is bringing us back to that place mm -hmm. of fellowship with the Lord perfectly and with each other perfectly. So we don't allow women to participate because we're nice guys. Right. We encourage women to let the Holy Spirit well up in them, their calling, mm -hmm. their ministry, because we see we live in these last days, mm -hmm. and the uh, last days have been going on since Pentecost, and it's the Lord's will to pour out a spirit upon women as well. Right. That's the work that I think that we read the Bible that way. Mm -hmm. And Acts is full of women who are leaders and who are preaching the word. But then you get to Timothy, and then you're like, wait, hang on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> wait, be quiet. Um, so you know, it's like, is that culture? But I read it, read it, read Timothy, okay. please, please, all of it, all of it, <laughs> all of Timothy. Well, it's not long. Um. You're in chapter two, though, eight through what, 15? Sounds great. First Timothy First two, Timothy yeah. two eight through 15. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. I'm going to have to work on that. With modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. But with... Can we pause for just a moment? Do you see how that's the exact opposite of what the pastor guy was saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A woman yeah. should put on makeup, mm -hmm. take care of her weight, look good, dress nice, <laughs> wear skimpy clothes, have the gold on her face and the blink so her man will see her and think, you're prettier mm -hmm. than Kate Blanchett, aren't you? You know, or whatever. <laughs> and you should be available to my whims and needs. Right. As what, what, what that text is saying, that's Wait. not what makes this. Exactly. The exact opposite Twisting of those things. words. Right. Which they were, didn't they have <laughs> the goddess Artemis that they were kind of. Yeah, you had lots going on there. Lots going on. Okay, there we go. But with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through, through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Here you go. Know your place, woman. So, so here's and what happens to women who don't have children? So, so here's Whoops, the thing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I, I would perfectly allow someone to read that passage and say, because of what it says, we don't let women teach. But then you better follow it up. Take yeah. every bit of gold jewelry from every woman mm -hmm. in your congregation. Get rid of any flashy clothes mm -hmm. that those women may have. Those women need to be in complete silence. And if they're not having children, you need to teach and preach. They're not safe. Mm -hmm. Because that passage seems to indicate 
what I call gestational regeneration. Mm. You are right. only saved if you have children. Now, this passage has lots of problems, but we don't talk about the problems. We go to the one mm-hmm. that supports our power, power base yeah. exactly, and our whims. Now, here's what I think is going on. There's a similar passage, too, and I've got it. We won't go to it because we don't have to, but Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians 14. He says women should learn in silence and submission. Um, he also uses shameful. It's shameful for a, for a woman to speak. Well, that's true. And but, but see, what's funny is in that same ver- chapter, book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, Paul spends a whole lot of ink and a whole lot of time telling us exactly how a woman should dress and cover her head when she prophesies at church. Did Paul forget three chapters later that he has prescribed this is that when a woman speaks, so she's not a distraction, she should wear modest clothing and cover her head. And then three chapters later say, you know, by the way, forget that, all that stuff. Just don't let her talk at all. Yeah. <laughs> Did he forget that or is something else going on? I think the answer is something else is going on. He's not speaking, either one of those passages, to women exercising their spiritual gifts. What he's speaking to, I believe, is a cultural problem. Women were not included in the religious structures of the Judaic world or in the Greek Hellenistic world. Yet in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Greek or Jew, for all one in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, these women now are included in the public gathering. So they're there. In the worship services, they're there. They're seeing what's being done. They're seeing the communion elements. They're watching the baptisms. They're seeing all the stuff. And I think what you're experiencing here is women who've never been that place before. Right. They don't know what's going to do. They're they're raising their hand. Mm -hmm. I got questions. Why are we doing that? Why are you wearing that? Why aren't we reading these? What does that word mean? Mm -hmm. And what Paul's saying is, when the woman has questions like that, don't disrupt the service. Right. Her husband knows what these things mean because he's been taught before. She doesn't. She doesn't. Let her ask at home mm-hmm. when she can give her some mm-hmm. individual instruction. And the injunction, therefore, is not about gender. It's about those people who don't know what's going on. Right. Let those people be quiet and silenced mm-hmm. and be taught later. later. So if you keep going on down the road here, here's where here's where it comes all hermeneutics as a killer in the end. So the injunction here really is not a teaching about gender. It's about people who don't know what they're talking about being allowed to talk at church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're you know, not educated, a whole bunch of pastors yeah, that would fit that list. If you're Zip not educated and haven't been told and taught how to do these certain things, you just need to be quiet. It's actually a prohibition on letting leaders lead who haven't been trained or taught. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually what you're talking about here. And in, in this worldview, it's the women who are at that place because they had never been allowed. It's cl- more closely akin to black folk who were freed from slavery. And it's not because they're stupid or, or, or not intelligent, they had never been taught to read or yeah. allowed to read. And it's that same idea. You've got to take the time to let that thing cook. The mm-hmm. brightest and greatest scholars some of them I've known and preachers and teachers are black folk. Mm-hmm. 200 years ago, that would not have been true, because not because of their ability, mm-hmm. but because of the oppression against them. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I got worked up. but No, no, that that's was good. I mean, and because I think what we're seeing, and I think this is what you see really through the whole Bible, is when you see it as one thing is that he's not teaching prohibition. He's actually teaching more of an evolution of something, a, a, a movement 
out of these antiquated ways mm-hmm. towards something better, but we love to look back on it and try and say it's it's mm-hmm. rules that apply to today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, well, and how many men rules. and how many men use that? You know, your place oh, is just to yeah. sit down. I have a friend of mine, and she and her husband have been married for years and years and years, and of course they have issues. But she, you know, on occasion he he does use this, and. And it's, it's and, terrible. It's and terrible. if you tell somebody you're out of God's will, God's disappointed in you, you're not under God's umbrella of protection or use all those languages, that messes with your head. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. it stirs your fear and your shame. And if you really genuinely want to be a good follower of Christ, you're going to wrestle with that. And if you don't have another voice speaking proper hermeneutics into your head. You don't know. It's just yeah. like. Being in a cult, you mm-hmm. just, it's all you know, it's all you hear, it's therefore all you've ever you, heard. Yeah. you take it on. Yeah, the, absolutely. I, I want to say this before we move on to anything else. We even have time. How long have we been at this? 45. 45. <gasps> um, we have time. So I know marriages that are complementarian, and they're good marriages. I know marriages that are egalitarian that can be bad marriages. Mm-hmm. I just want uh, anyone listening, mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that if you have marriage problems, it's because you've got the wrong view on women and men's gender roles. Um, it can be a problem, and it, it can always be abused in either way. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I know some men who have said, well, if you're equal, then you go take care of everything, and I have no responsibility to you whatsoever, mm-hmm. which, again, is not what the Bible ever says. Mm-hmm. In a marriage, both husbands and wives have complete responsibility to each other right. mm-hmm. to sacrifice and to love and to care and part it, it's a well partnership is a good word i prefer it so it's the one flesh if mm-hmm. you really become one flesh it's not just a sexual intimacy that's a way of mm-hmm. viewing the world um if she hurts i hurt mm-hmm. if she's uh, despondent i'm despondent and uh, if I'm hurt, she brings the band-aids, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, literally. It's to, <laughs> I like to think of it as, as a symbolic of the Trinity almost. So you've got two individual whole people who come together and create a whole third personality that is they still retain their own individuality, but their combination together creates a whole other opportunity of relationship and, and identity. Well, that's the that's the view of creation. Before you get into the complicated male female garden talk with the serpents, uh, serpent, you have <laughs> just made yeah, many just serpents. <laughs> Don't do oh, that. All the voices. Um, you get you know uh, uh, the Bible says he created them male and female, male and female. He created them, and he created them in his image. It takes both genders mm-hmm. to reflect the image of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The image of God is not male mm-hmm. and it's not female. Mm-hmm. Now, most all evangelical people I know would defend that. They would say, you're right. God is genderless. He is he's above that. He but, is. But, but then their, <laughs> but then their, their yeah. mental image is always masculine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I affirm that in the sense that the language indicates that. But I also affirm the fact that the pastoral gifts, this is where I really resonate, the pastoral gifts that we say women... We, some people say women are not qualified to be a pastor are almost inherently feminine attributes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Compassion, care, empathy. Mm-hmm. Th- these are more dominant feminine attributes mm-hmm. than masculine attributes, which may be one of the reasons why a church is so dysfunctional. One of the things I wrote on my hot list here is just to make sure I say that. So 
is your argument that women can't lead, men should lead, and they've done such a great job <laughs> doing it <laughs> <laughs> that we should keep on? I mean, what a mess we have made, not just of church, but the world in general. Agreed. This mess we've made. Do you think that women could do worse? I mean, mm-hmm. I think maybe the women are the future. I really believe well, that women are the future. Some women and men too, but women, you know, a lot of times I don't have a choice in stepping up into that father role, man role when you're a single mother mm-hmm. and the dad's not there. You know, you do have to work out of the home and you do have to provide for your child and you do have to do all, you know, things that a husband may or may not do you know so sometimes society forces us into those things or i guess just our own life experiences force us into those things where we have to step up and i'm just speaking for women but then but society also guilts you for yeah, it too absolutely yeah i so much mom guilt from so, from working outside of the home mm-hmm. and not being a stay-at-home mom like so much mom guilt yeah well, can I can just affirm you have two great children? Can you so bring in the crying out. couch? You do. Uh, you have Righteous. two great children. Uh, those eyes. He's uh, complimenting you. The, uh, uh, so you, whatever you were doing, you did it just fine. Uh, I just would like to highlight something that I've said for a while. We've, in pandemic, everyone's started working from home. For most of human history, everybody worked from home. Mm-hmm. Um, you you worked at the at, farm, so <laughs> the working, ranch. Working moms is not new. Have you read the Bible? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, women were always doing what? Going to get water, water. going to thresh mm-hmm. grain, getting the oil, shepherding sheep. I mean, mm-hmm. women were, in fact, most of the shepherds probably were women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just um, uh, our, we read the Bible through our own lenses. Right. Uh, working women have always been part of it. It's only it's like, like, like that 1950s mm-hmm. motif yeah. uh, that you gave her. Yeah. Um, yep. Which was, mm-hmm. again, a power trip. Mm-hmm. And it was as much culture. But I went to your culture thing. It is our culture. Um, golly. Now I'm really in a way. <laughs> so. <laughs> there is like a physical, like, yeah. spark oh, that I came from it. your head right there. I saw it over the. Well, they didn't see it. The black, Greg didn't see it. Uh, Joe didn't see it. And Kelly didn't mm. see it. Uh, the. You talk about the single mom. It's our culture that has said. When the man leaves and abandons, it's somehow now the woman's responsible to make mm. it all happen. Absolutely. There's almost no cultural pressure on that man to go do right. Mm-hmm. But there's all the cultural pressure on the woman mm-hmm. because in our world, we say the man means more than the woman mm-hmm. means. So mm-hmm. his personal journey of discovery and, well, I found someone who really understands mm-hmm. me. Well, meanwhile, you have three children and a Over wife you left behind. Need a dad. Uh, yeah. and, and that's the that's the culture that says that. And I believe the gospel's counterculture. The gospel says, no, you messed up. You are wrong. Mm-hmm. Why would the why would we reward you by saying you're still fine and good and wonderful because you're the man? Mm-hmm. And she clearly did not, you know, she gained some weight. It's, she didn't it's make her fault. It's somehow. her fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of shaming is ridiculous. And yeah. then I start thinking about, you know, I'm um I have a little hippie in me. I want to know where are the feminists? Mm-hmm. The feminists have disappeared, uh, and I don't know why. But oh, go ahead. Well, you go ahead. I was just say, but to listen to certain um, corners of the world, the word feminism is still used as a hot button word, as in the feminists are 
out there and the the angle is they're coming to take away your whatever and it's always used in this there's this angry woman out there somewhere who's coming to destroy your family she's your schools your church she's a single your, mom you know, she's mad <laughs> and like that's not what i think feminine femininity feminism is i <laughs> think they've been pushing back against the oppression they've they've been under mm-hmm. well the the the, the, the my my understanding is feminists used to be for equality for women and for uh, opportunity for women. But what has happened is that movement has been hijacked by men mm. that has pushed women almost into um, a box in which they must work, take care of the kids, take care of society, while men are actually scot-free mm-hmm. in so many areas to go do what they want to do. There's a real problem in that. and. Uh, we don't have that equality uh, in society. And then I think about in the, where, where are the feminists with this transgender business? Uh, when a man is the woman of the year, we have problems. There's, some, there's issues, uh, yeah, so obviously. I just, and the Bible is co- countercultural. It's mm-hmm. opposite of those trends. Right. Um, we're, we're, not, <laughs> we're not affirming mm-hmm. women anymore. We are using them to sell everything and to do all of our work. <laughs> And tell them what a good job, good job they're, they're doing. doing yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I went off. Well, again. and the Bible doesn't change. You know, we know that scripture well. The Bible doesn't change, but yet people, you know, every, the world just wants to do what they want to do and then try to justify it by twisting the words and twisting the scripture. But like Jamie said, it, it is what it is, and God's word is what it is. And it's just, you know, it's sad. It's a sad Misty, did you have any Bible verses? Joni got a Bible verse in. Even Daryl brought a Bible verse. Even in the Bible. What, my son? I've never heard that, Misty, before. (laughs) You guys have already. Coming through her pages of notes. Timothy. We went to Peter. Did we go to Peter? Yeah. We didn't do Peter. Did we do? do, do, Okay, 1 Peter 3 7. And that was just one when we were talking about. the wives and the men. Those wives and men. The wives and the men. Likewise, husbands, uh, live with your wives in under in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Ooh, I once saw. I, you want to hear a fun story? I, in my former life, pastored a church that was filled with uh, Navy folks, and so I was at a Navy um, chaplain seminar kind of conference thing and someone quoted that passage and said well uh, you know women are the weaker vessel <laughs> and I saw this really good godly Navy chaplain just stand up and go don't ever say that again mm-hmm. he said again your hermeneutics mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they're frail and they can't handle I mean they're physically weaker that's about abuse yeah don't beat, beat them up just because you can yeah they're you and it's the opposite instead of using your power and your strength and your your your, your brawn instead of using that to tower over her as a weaker vessel build her right. up live with her with respect and he just it was the best impromptu sermon i ever heard Whoa. on that because again it gets said That's women gets, are a weaker yeah, vessel. Just like the other one. People think you know? it means. You just pick it out. Just yeah. pick out. Just pick out whatever you mm-hmm. want to pick she out. She can't handle you know? the responsibilities of leadership because she's weaker. That's she's not weaker. what Peter was yeah. saying. Well, and I think that's why we are in some of the situations we're in is because dominance over has been able to get away with so much mm-hmm. for so long. Is that when it's just kind of like, you know, because I said so. 
Um, I can intimidate and scare you and threaten you enough to get you to stop or, or uh, comply or, or whatever. I, that's my last resort. And if a husband is treating his wife that way, it's the opposite of gospel. And if men at church are treating the women at church that way, it's the opposite of gospel. And if men in culture and community are treating women that way, it's the opposite of gospel. Well, and And that's where you... Oh, go ahead. No, I just had a random thought, and and maybe... Did you just talk over her in a... (laughs) I I allowed him to... She allowed me to speak. I let him go. That's the weaker vessel. (laughs) I'm the weaker vessel. Um, And maybe I'm going to get myself into trouble for saying this, but um, how many times... Did I hear growing up messages preaching to the wives who were at church, who wanted to be obedient to God, who were married to a jerk, basically, who was at least verbally, if not physically abusive, and they were told, just love them more and submit to them, and then God will save them. And I I don't know how many older women endure decades of abusive marriages because they believe that's what God wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that falls hermeneutically, but um, I don't think that's right. Yeah, that, that full life Jesus promised was not really all about just being mm-hmm. someone's punching bag. That, that's not what it is all well, about. Well, that's what I was going to say. It all boils down to you have these pastors, in air quotes, that are leading these churches that are reading the scripture without knowing the scripture Mm. and misleading the people them themselves are probably misled they probably really are believing what they're reading and what they're teaching but yet they're teaching that to this their congregation and these people are going out and then they're you know it's just a cycle. It's just a cycle. Yeah. It's and just it just continues on and on and on. And it's, it's terrible. It's, it's problematic. It, it is. It's, uh, and it's, it's self-reinforcing. Yes. Uh, and so that causes even more problems. Again, um, if we could just get the church saved, <laughs> yeah. we would be in a lot better shape. I can't leave this pastor without talking about Romans 16. Mm-hmm. That's like Romans 16, 1 and 2. Isn't that the song Chris Tomlin sings? I Romans 16. Yeah. No, it was eight something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, soon crush Satan underneath their feet. Anyway, sorry, I went back yeah, to the nineties on that one. Did you have a good time with that? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Camp songs. Um, the uh, my wife named our first child because she told me that's how it was going to be. Uh, our second child, I got to name. Now I wanted to name her various other things that Kim vetoed. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't use those names here. But the one I said it on was Phoebe. Uh, and, and people always ask her, are you named for that character from Friends? <laughs> and she's like, no, <laughs> it's in the Bible. I'm named for the Bible. And then people will say, Phoebe's not in the Bible. And she's like, yeah. and I, her pain is everyone should know who Phoebe, Phoebe is yes. in the Bible. So Romans 16, 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul talks about probably the person who's delivering the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and she's coming to deliver it uh, from Centria, um, and he uses a word to describe her, and the word he uses is diakonos, uh, which is a fun word. I believe the ESV translates it what, Daryl? you looking at What it? verse are we in? Romans 16, 1 and 2. That's or in the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> it's not in the front, is it? <laughs> oh. 
Um, verses one and two. Where's the word we're looking for? A servant. 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 Oh, right behind her name. Yeah. yeah. I commend to you, our sister Phoebe, a servant, servant of the church. So the ESV is like the grandchild of the King James Version. And they have the same literary uh, uh, parentage. I like the ESV because they hold a lot of theological language. You know, I, I like that about it. I also like the NRSV, which for different reasons. Um, the NIV makes my eyes roll into the back of my <laughs> head and I have some sort of convulsion. <laughs> but here, the ESV follows the King James. This word, uh, diakonos, appears, it's a fun word, it's neuter here. It's not masculine or feminine, it's neuter, which means we're talking about an office, right? It's not an uh, adjective as much as it is an office, um, uh, diakonos. It appears in the New Testament 27 times. The King James Version, from which most English versions take their cue, translate that ver- that word, deacon, 26 of those times. It translates its servant one time. Mm-hmm. Here. Now, why would that be? Because it's female. Because it's a woman. woman. Yeah. And the problem is that your bias. Here's your bias. It, well, a woman can't be a deacon, so therefore she's mm-hmm. just a servant. Mm-hmm. But... Now you say, well, is, is, is it not a servant? Fine, it is a servant. The other 26 times, it's a servant too. Mm-hmm. But this is the idea of someone who's... Spe- she is not just a servant. She's a specific servant from a church doing a very important thing, carrying these letters mm-hmm. around. And, and he commends her, her yeah. the same way he commends, you know, Titus and Timothy and Epaphroditus and all these other people because she's in the leadership team. And so I just I named my daughter for Phoebe because, you know, and she I'm wears a, it well. She, I, I mean, she's, she lives up to she's it. She's perfect for that. I'm a yeah. little I'm a, a little little rebel in that regard. <laughs> have we not said anything that we should say? We probably have said some. Oh, things we've said a lot of things we shouldn't have said. <laughs> we shouldn't have said. We're not going to we're not going to share this one at all. <laughs> this is like it'd be on the in crowd to get this podcast. <laughs> um, but I think we had a good time, didn't we? We, we did. did. We welcome good. to welcome to the podcast. That was it. Uh, we're glad that you joined us here. Uh, I just want to finish up by saying you don't have to agree with me or with us on these issues to be a wonderful, good, well-intentioned Christ follower. I think our desire would be for you to try and see us halfway on the issue, um, at least halfway. I have been told before that I don't believe in the Bible Mm. because of my views on women in the church because people will assume that their view on what the Scripture says is the only authentic mm-hmm. view. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a red herring to set up, we believe in the authority of Scripture, and what we mean is our view we of what Scripture says. We believe in our interpretation mm-hmm. of the authority of Scripture. Yeah. I, I love the Bible a whole lot, and I've wrestled my whole life with what it says, what it indicates, what it means, and what its significance is. And my views on this have come from Scripture and studying of it. And I would just encourage anyone who disagrees with us to study and think and talk and have dialogue, um, but don't write us off as people who don't believe the scriptures or who somehow are trying to appease culture. It's the exact opposite. Well, and I would add from a practical standpoint, if your interpretation of scripture requires you to put someone in such a box that it's oppressive and mm-hmm. that it's not loving and it's not treating them as an equal in some way, you might want to reevaluate that. That's true of many situations. All right. We all good? I think so. All right. Again, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I think we have one more we're going to record next week. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Uh, maybe pie. Maybe we should all just Ooh. come with a, a secret oh. agenda and Ooh. see what happens. Ooh. Hey, here's a, for the two or three of you that listen, <laughs> send us an email on what Ooh. you want us to talk Ooh. about. There you go. That's and we'll idea. talk about those. It's Jamie at FMF. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't, I, <laughs> give out my email address. <laughs> well, it's on the website. I mean, it's oh, they're going to find it anyways. <laughs> like you it's search? a secret. Secrets. Oh, I where was, are they shall I edit that out? Office <laughs> at <laughs> <laughs> office at fms.life. Uh, anyway, yeah, let us know. Uh, oh, the three of you that listen have my text number. So you can just, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, say, yeah. thanks for listening and have a great week. Be safe, be nice to each other and um, love Jesus. Love Jesus and try to be good. See ya. Peace out. Love you guys. Bye.